Live from New York, it's Ask the Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask the Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer, broadcasting live from downtown Manhattan in our secret headquarters. Uh, we're just doing electronics nonstop. we got an exciting show for you tonight, about an hour's worth of maker, hacker, 3D printing, engineering, creative news, all sorts of cool stuff going on. Uh, we've got Mr. Lady Ada here on camera control and all the segments you know and love. So let's get right into it. Why don't you tell them what's on tonight's show, Mr. Lady Ada? All right. On tonight's show, we'll talk about one year in, because um, it's a year ago to the day almost. What when, happened? Uh, well, uh, we closed Adafruit, <laughs> we closed Adafruit ahead of uh, some city and state guidance uh, to keep our team safe. But um, we'll just do a little bit of recap of what's been going on and more. We are still shipping smart and safe. Our entire team thanks you. These are some pre-COVID photos. And this is what has allowed us to survive for the last year. And these are some of the folks that, when you place an order, that's who you're helping out. Yay. So please continue to do so. And uh, after we get the show started, we'll talk about what's ahead and more. Show and tell. People around the world showing sharing their projects. JP was the host tonight. Lady will talk about who was on the show and tell, what they mm -hmm. had to share. Time travel, look around, world makers, hackers, artists, engineers. A little bit of a reminder for some things. And then also we're going to add a new segment um, and we're going to play two short videos from it inside of Time Travel. Cool. Yeah. Python and hardware news. I'm uh, going to take a look at the newsletter that we send out every single week about all the news that happens to be Python and hardware related. And there's a tiny tweak because uh, Pico and the RP2040 run CircuitPython and MicroPython. So you can expect to see a lot of cool projects with that. Main New York City factory footage. Got some things from Adafruit's factory right here in Manhattan. Some 3D printing. We got DigiKey and Adafruit present. I on MPI. This week is Ideal Tech, Swiss technology at your fingertips. Lady will be talking about mm. this week's I on MPI. Got some new products. We got a lot of cool new products. We have Top Secret this week. Mm. We're going to take questions. Um, you can put them in the end. If you put them in during the show uh, at adafruit.it slash discord or discord.gg slash adafruit. Um, just uh, put them in again at the end. Um, but sometimes we get through them different parts of the show, and then sometimes if the show has a lot of stuff, which is us tonight, you have to get to the questions at the end. Yeah, we don't have any other staff. It's really just us. <laughs> it's like we're doing the show, so if we yeah. don't get your question, it's because we're doing the it's show. It's because we're doing the show. It's live. Um, and anytime you can join all 27,000 of us in the Adafruit community on Discord. It's 24-7 hackerspace that you can bring your grandkids to. Um or pretty much any kid. All right. All that and more on You Guessed It, Ask an Engineer. All right. Cool well, beans. Let's uh, stop over to uh, what I was going to talk about. So we're one year in, March 10th, 11th-ish of uh, last year. Uh, there was uh, straight up no good guidance. Sorry. You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, I don't think that, that's a surprise. At the time, uh, there were experts saying, don't, you know, you don't need to wear a mask at all. Uh, there was closures talked about in some locations. There, there were city officials saying, hey, go check out this really cool thing in Chinatown. Yeah. Like, it was not so, clear. So here's what we decided to do. Uh, we decided to uh, give our teams all the information and then make smart decisions together. So about a, a year ago, uh, even before that, we had done uh, low occupancy, staggered shifts. We were already thinking about ventilation. Uh, one interesting thing about Adafruit's building, it was built right after the pandemic of 1918. That's right. So one of the things about our building is the radiators. Um, if you've lived in New York, there's like 
these big metal radiators in some buildings. And they're like near the windows. And it's always like, why would why are they there? And this they're loud. Sense. And they're and they're too hot. What's up with that? They're too hot. They for are. This they're space. crazy hot. Why are they so hot? Yeah. So I want answers. What happened was after the nineteen eighteen pandemic, buildings were designed with this in mind, and so they were designed to run with the heat on and the windows open. Mm-hmm. So we had some pretty good ventilation already. Uh, we had uh, started stockpiling masks for our team, also uh, hand sanitizer, because there really wasn't specific information. How was it getting transmitted? What was happening? So um, as the city started to talk about potential closures in the state, um, we decided to shut down a little early and um, we were ahead of it by like a week or a few days or whatever. And the reason for that was um, it was really too challenging to figure out what was right or what wasn't. So the safest thing at the time was, well, let's just get through it. And the best way to get through that was to keep everyone home as, pos- as much as possible. So that's what we did. And then um, we were asked by the city to make face shields. And then also components for all sorts of medical devices, including ventilators. You don't hear about ventilators as much anymore. Um, but at the time, that was that was the scarcest thing on earth. Yeah. And we spent pretty much 24-7 for March and April on trying to help the city. We got named the essential business. And uh, one year later, we're still around, still surviving. And we're crawling out of a year of just operating in a very different way. Um, and the reason that we were able to do that is... Our community placed orders. Our staff was uh, able to adapt to this. We did all the safety that we possibly could, and then some. We actually even have a page, adafruit.com slash opensafely, where we showcase and celebrate the things that we all came up with the team on how we were going to stay safe. We put up a PDF of our protocols and more. So, you know, to look back a year later... And uh, so far, so good. We're going to see how uh, we do in March and April um, compared to last year, which we think yeah. will be better. And uh, our next round of hiring is for our shipping department and for our uh, fabrication departments because we feel like the demand is there. So if you're looking for like economic indicators, um, looks like if there's a 100% woman-owned uh, loan and venture capital-free company like Adafruit in New York City that's hiring, that might be a good indicator of things are starting to recover. So that's what we're focused on right now, and we're going to just continue to keep uh, doing the best we can and taking good care of our team. And thank you out there, everyone who's been um, purchasing stuff, because that's been uh, really helpful. So that's where we're at one year later. All right. Um, when, when you place an order, though, uh, we have 50 days left in our 100 days of masking up. Um, 16 states said we're not doing masks anymore. So, like, I don't know. It's a collector's item if you <laughs> if you don't use it or need it. Give it to your dentist. I don't know. But um, we're so close with uh, whatever low or high estimates for herd, herd immunity um, that's coming up is, you know, just wear a mask for a little bit longer. It is just a little bit longer. So um, hopefully our, our freebie mask that we send in, uh, each order in the U.S. over a dollar is helpful, um, or just you know save it for the next thing. Look, I'd be I would love it if at 100 days of masking we did it. We gave away these masks, and on the hundredth day we hit, you know, 70 percent uh, uh, vaccinated. Like I mean, that would be awesome. Like I don't like wearing masks. I'd be psyched to to get through this and get everybody mm. vaccinated and safe. So, 
You get a free mask, and then you get other free things. Yes, I'll tell you about the freebies. So in addition to the free mask for any order over $1, so just like order something that's a dollar, I mean, like, you could order something that's $0.25, cents, but we had, to put a, we had to put a number in. Uh, $99 or more, you get a free Permaproto half-side breadboard, perfect for making your projects a little bit more permanent. Um, you can take your solderless breadboard project and bring them over and solder them in place. $149 or more, you get a free STEM IQT board. We have controllers and sensors and devices. Uh, and even, I think, a STEM IQT board you can get. And um, all, you know, you'll get a different random one from our assortment um, when you um, book an order. And if you make an account, uh, not a guest account, uh, we'll even keep track of which ones we've sent you. So you get a different one each time. $1.99 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping. And $2.99 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground Express, our favorite all-in-one development board. And people ask us, what's the best hardware to get started with? I'm just a beginner. I need it easy. I say, get one of these, Circuit Playground Express. It's so easy to get started. And they make wonderful little gifts for people, too, who are excited yeah. about learning and making. That's a good one. Okay. And then show and tell. Um, we switch it up with host uh, this month. JP was this week's. Next week is Noah and Pedro. And then end of the month is Lady Eight and I. We yes, did last week. Yes, thank week's. you. So um, it's mostly, and you're probably wondering, why do we do that? Well, one, probably get tired of us sometimes, but two, <laughs> um, so that extra half an hour or so, um, at least right now, uh, is so valuable. Like when you when you divide Precious. up when you divide up a day and all the stuff that we need to do to, to run a native fruit. So um, thanks, team, who's uh, doing that. And uh, also, you know, it's super fun to hang out and chat with the community. So we, we shouldn't hoard that. All on our own. I also anyways. think Noah, Pedro, and JP do bring a little bit of a, a different touch to the to the show. And that's tells. the whole point of having They're a team. Different, yeah. They have a different viewpoint, and that's good. Yeah, that's why we have. Uh, and also, you know, um, JP not included because I met JP when I was at Make. Um, for the most part, how we find each other, as far as like Adafruit remote team members or doing some special projects together, is usually through the show and tell, anyways. Yeah. So as we restart and reboot as a country and as a even as a community for a lot of in a lot of ways um get on the show and tell even if we're not you know hosting it um usually I watch it yeah we, I just we don't host it. yeah we'll, we'll we'll always see every single one of them but um you know down the road as we continue to look for more talent to add uh, to our open source community and team that's a good place to show off your stuff um if you want to do stuff with adafruit down the road uh, so and join, and join Discord. Who was on Show and Tell with this show this week? I'm glad you asked. Kicked it off with Kevin from DigiKey, uh, promoing another serving of Pi Day. Uh, so I guess on Pi Day they're going to do a uh, video stream, and I think uh, JP is going to be joining it. Um, check out DigiKey.com. Also check out their social media. I'm sure they have more deets there. Um, from Adafruit team, we had Trevor come by. Uh, he's been doing a lot more with Adafruit AR, our AR kit um, for iOS um, app. Uh, Apple has this really cool AR kit thing that you can do um, and add um, overlays and like uh, augmented reality to your camera. And um, they've been doing some overlays. We think we just finished up the um, Teensy 4.1 overlay and uh, he did a Raspberry Pi 400 overlay. So looking at the back of the Pi 400 will tell you what all the pins are for the GPIO port. Very handy for hacking. Jepler came by and showed off a draft PR that he's been working on to implement MP3 decoding on the RP2040. Um, the RP2040 is a Cortex-M0, uh, not M4, so it's missing a couple of the instructions to really need to do good, fast MP3 decoding. You know, the SAMD51 can like decode two or three streams at a time. 
Therapy 2040 can do like, you know, audio book level. I think it was like 32 kilobit per second audio. It's, it's not, uh, you know, full high def MP3, but you know, it is compressed audio um, compared to WAV file. So you can fit, you know, a half an hour or so of audio maybe on a, on a RP2040 board where it has a couple megs of RAM and of course, or megs of flash. And then maybe on SD card, we'll try out SD card or SDIO and see if we can get um, uh, audio streaming from that as well. So it's a draft PR, we're still working on it. Um, Melissa, oh, Melissa actually didn't come by, sorry. Uh, but we're gonna, we'll talk about the stuff she did later. Um, but she's, she's might. Uh, Scott uh, came by with the QSPY sockets. Um, add-on he did for a uh, Feather RP2040 so he could hack around with different QSPY chips um, to try out uh, trying to optimize the second boot state execute in place flash definition thing which uh, if you've watched our streams you've seen us uh, just slam into like a brick wall and we're going to solve it and he also made this cool board that takes like uh, a spark from Micromod and then has these little like socket flex PCB adapters uh, I'm going to call them Scott sockets but I don't know. It's kind of a neat little like plug and play uh, system. Um, Toddbot uh, got a Cutie Pie and a round TFT and made like a little locket to display um, images of cats mostly. Everyone loves that. And also a rotary encoder project. Uh, Bill Binko from AT Maker is making head control mice. So an open source way of using um, a head mounted. Um, IMU to control a mouse and then by dwelling on something you can select it so using this with speech boards um, allows people who you know may not be able to touch a speech board to just move their head um, and look at something and then it gets selected so they can actually uh, form sentences with speech boards which is like really nifty um, and he said usually these are extremely expensive and they're not easily hackable uh, so having an open source version can be awesome for the accessibility community which we always love to see uh liz made a sailor moon spinning crescent moon like circuit playground board i actually didn't quite catch exactly what it's for but she's a really big fan of sailor moon i think she wanted to have maybe her own sailor moon like display or headdress like not exactly sure i gotta go back and, and watch some sailor moons um and then daniel made uh, his first circuit it's a massive arcade button connected um, to a microcontroller that acts like a foot pedal talk switch. So on Zoom calls or um, other like video calls, uh, the audio is only demuted when you press with your foot so you don't accidentally leave your mic on. Um, and then you just have to remember to like press the foot pedal or press the button when you want to speak. But if you're used to push to talk type systems, he basically remade that for, for a computer. Now show and tell. All right. It's part of our favorite live series of shows. We do this every week, so if it's uh, 8 p.m., Sask an Engineer, it's 7.30, show and tell. Those are our Wednesday shows, in addition to Noam Pedro's 3D Hangouts every Wednesday. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And then on Sunday, we do Desk of Lady Ada. And then this week on Desk of Lady Ada, uh, we showed a few different things, including yeah. something we're going to show for show, uh, Top Secret later, I yes, think. Yes, it's a Top Secret, so don't ask. Yeah. We so, also do a lot of keyboard stuff. Yeah, so Keyboards. a lot of keyboard... Keyboard things. Keyboard hacking. And um, that Clicky, that got clicky, us to the great search. Yes, it turns out you can uh, get Cherry MX switches on the DigiKey site, and you show exactly how to do that. And Milmax sockets. Um, these are like small solder in sockets that let you um, mechanically attach and detach 
uh, Cherry MX switches. So these, you know, I saw that a lot of people were doing like group buys on um, Reddit and other forums, but you know, you don't have to. You can actually just go to uh, DigiKey and just buy Cherry MX blacks or blues uh, right now. So you have the clicky blues or the smooth linear uh, black switches. Yeah. So if you want to see a lot of the in-progress stuff, so whatever we work on during the week, Sunday night is kind of a recap desk of Lady Ada, and then Lady Ada does a specific um, feature, the great search with DigiKey, brought to you by DigiKey, and she uses all our good powers of engineering to help you find what you're looking for on a gigantic site like DigiKey. Okay, uh, other live shows that we do, Tuesday was JP's product pick. This is the recap. I'm going to show this in a second. And the cool special thing about this is we do a live video from the product page. It's embedded inside the product page. And we do a discount while we're doing it. So that's, you know, kind of like, you know, we used to go to concerts. We'll be going to the concerts again. But, you know, that's, you can always get, Until then, watch JP's shows. You can always get digi digitally downloaded music. But there's something special about being there and participating in something live and being in the chat. Um, you can uh, get the product there. And we also uh, sell JP as an NFT, and so you get to what? You know, um, JP's top hits. Yeah, JP is. I'm gonna an, bid right he, now. He's an NFT, um, and uh, that's kind of our new business model. Don't give starting. people ideas. Uh, They're totally gonna. No, I know. Uh, I'm on a mailing list. Uh, well, it was an email list, and it was about open source hardware and patents and all that stuff. And I said, hey, you know, the open source hardware community may as well get ahead of. Um, what might happen with some of these interesting um, experiments that are melting the planet or ripping off of artists or great for the artists, all these different, you yeah, know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So um, that's a little bit of an unknown. But JP, for sure, you can watch the show and you can use a discount code. I think he's an SFT. He's a super fungible token. Maybe. All right. So here's a little bit of a highlight from uh, this week's. AW9523, 16-pin GPIO expander on I2C, and LED drivers that use constant current. 16 pins arrayed around the top and the bottom. There's, I think, 11 on the top and 5 on the bottom there. And all those pins are in pairs because they each have that V in uh, for the voltage. 16 little 3-millimeter red LEDs plugged into the board. And as you can see, I'm doing some different little fades and uh, lighting them in some sequences, turning them on and off. Right now they're getting brighter, 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 and then they'll drop down. Use the little Stemma QT connectors. You could plug in up to four of these on one microcontroller, uh, and then you'd be able to run buttons, LEDs galore. That's the product pick of the week this week. Okay, and JP's workshop is on Thursday. And uh, if you saw the show and tell or saw his last video, there's a really neat technique that JP shows on how to use this really neat reflective material and um, our little NeoPixel ring, and it produces better results. Like we use a green screen. For I know. I kind of want to get rid of our green screen. And yeah. Give it to we, someone and then use the system because it's so much. We could. We we have a different. We have an issue because we have like two there. Yeah. And, and we have a pretty good light source. Um, but generally speaking, um, and I'm going to show the highlight clip. Fully expect. Elgato to have this as a kit soon. Ah, uh, totally. So, totally so it, today is March tenth, twenty twenty one. All right. At eight twenty one p.m. Okay. 
Um, and by the way, they should. Um, this isn't a just like, we thought of it first. We're not the type of people who care about that because guess what? Like, it doesn't matter if you thought of something first. Um, who can you bring it out to the widest number of people? Can you do open source? Even a bonus. Here's another but, thing about it that's really nice. You can change the color. So sometimes yeah, you don't want good. green because like I wear my Raspberry Pi shirt. And it's got like the green. And so it like gets green screened out. So you can dial in different colors. So you can have a blue screen or like a purple screen or a teal screen. You know what? Whatever. Or orange screen. Whatever the color is, you can you can change it and it looks perfect and there's no shadows. Um, so I, I think it's cool. Digital green screens is totally yeah. the way to go. And um, so, you know, I'm going to show the little video in a second. So one of the cool things about it is it, it shines the light on the screen. It's super reflective. 3M, who makes, like, everything amazing out of materials, um, the, the light bounces back directly and it makes a really even green screen or blue screen or if you could even you know pop out other colors if you wanted to and the neat thing about it is you can get really close to it and the, and the shadow and the wrinkles don't seem it, it's more forgiving yeah yeah and um because I, it's just so bright yeah so i think like elgato has things for gamers and streamers they have this thing where you you lift it up it's like the projector you remember in school they pull down a projector and over the chalkboard well these are ones that it's they sit on the ground and you pull them up i fully expect there to be a reflective material one at some point they'll probably do it yeah what it does and is then that the, you'll have a light source because they already have a light yeah normally another thing that happens is when we have the green screen if you have glasses especially the bright camera light bounces off the green screen and then the green kind of like shimmers onto your skin or like your hair like your hair gets kind of shimmery if it's at all shiny or your glasses they start having green reflection and what's cool about this material is because it's so retro, like reflects in every direction. You don't get that bounce yeah. off. So, oh, so, check, cool. so check this out. It's really neat. And I think um, I haven't. I've been really busy. I think JP's watching the show, so I could. I'll just talk to JP through the show. Hey JP. Hey JP. Um, so, well, he's on the blockchain, so like you can talk to him through the blockchain now. That's right. Um, so you know, one we'll of the cool JP will probably remember this. So back like peak Make Magazine days, we would see things in Maker Fairs or um, I'd be posting stuff on Make or even when um, I started Hackaday, I, I saw the same trend where whatever makers are kind of experimenting with, there's a commercialized product of it yeah. uh, later. And that's a good sign. And so if, if, you're, if you're really um, interested, in, interested in technology, and you want to do startups or just be part of like new inventions or see all this stuff or actually be able to build it yourself, this is where it happens first. And yeah. this is like one specific one that it reminds me of because I'm like, oh, yeah, like there was a bunch of things that we all did. Um, we're like, oh, cool, let's try this thing out because like we were writing about it in Make or maybe earlier at the time. No, uh, I feel like we're, we're, we're back there like 15 years ago. I think so. So watch this highlight. Okay. And um, it, it, it really is magical and something you can build yourself. So if you want to see a glimpse of the future or if you want to help build it, JP Show is tomorrow. All right, time travel. Look around the world of makers, hackers, artists, engineers. Um, 
Good news, bad news. Good news, there will be an Adabox coming out in April. Bad news, you can only sign up for it now because our slots are full. So um, do sign up, though, because... We, we do get, when we make, charge the cards, about 100 slots open up. So do sign up and you'll get notified. So you, it's not too yeah. late, but you'll have to just yeah. listen. So my it. suggestion is sign up because once we process the first rounds, especially over the last year, a lot of people moved. A lot of people are moving back. Address changes. Credit cards got uh, canceled or they did something. So you'll have a shot, but... You need to sign up. And you're probably wondering, hey, why don't you do that thing like when you go on like a plane where they overbook the flight, you know, because like 10 people always don't show up. So like they just book an extra 10 people um, because nothing bad could ever happen. Right. <laughs> well, we don't do that. Just like we don't do back orders. We don't overbook the Ada box. We only sell the slots that we have available because we want to make sure that there's no risk of anyone not getting it because of overbooking. Yeah. Also, I've been bumped from a flight once and I'll never forgive United. Yeah. So uh, this next portion of time travel that we're pleased to announce is uh, Phil B. Paint Your Dragon, who works uh, with Adafruit, has for a really long time, and specifically with Lamore on a lot of the board designs that you've seen. Including the Cyberdeck. Including the Cyberdeck, which we're going to show tonight, has been doing these little vignettes. And um, I thought I was going to put this in maybe the open source hardware section. Then I was going to put it in the separate section. But this is kind of just like a glimpse of what's going on. And it's a time lapse of sorts, too. So I'm going to play these back to back. This one is... Um, designing a PCB, the differences with Eagle, and then if you're going to use something like Illustrator because you want to do different graphics, and then um, the origins and some of the silk that we did for Circuit Playground. So take it away, Philly. Here's a board designed entirely in Eagle versus one with a custom silk screen designed in Adobe Illustrator. Check out those fonts. The process starts in Eagle by enabling a specific set of layers I found help with the layout. There's a print a PDF option you'd think would be just the thing, but the, the output is weird and junky. I can't do anything with this. Trick is to use Eagle's DXF export option. I've modified the script a little bit, and Illustrator is able to make better sense of these files. The DXF file only contains lines, arcs, and triangles, so there's an entire process here of converting this into solid shapes that we can then design on top of. This is like 15 to 20 minutes of work, which has been compressed into a few seconds here. Finally, we have something resembling the physical board, and next we can start designing our custom silk screen on top of this. I've been doing some videos about silk screens lately, and I just wanted to tell a story about fonts. Some of these boards are so tiny, you don't really get to choose your font. You just try a few things, and whatever's even legible at that size, that's what you run with. And then other times you get to spread out and you can actually theme things a bit, like a, like a transit theme or some Art Deco stuff going on. Uh, but I want to talk about Circuit Playground for a second. And this was designed with uh, education in mind. And just, I had this nightmare scenario that someone was going to be like, Oh yeah, hey, this is, this is kid stuff. We got to use like crayon fonts on there and, or Comic Sans, yeah. And I'm like, hell no. Because believe it or not, I was 10 years old once, and I remember, you're doing science, you want like some crisp Helvetica or like that Euro-style extended bold or the NASA worm logo, because uh, you don't want this patronizing crayon stuff. You're doing science. So that's why it has this no-nonsense look to it. And now you know. So that's our time travel segment for this battle. Week. Yeah. All right.
Python on Hardware News. Okay, Lady Ada, this week. Yeah. Um, so okay. 6.2.0 Beta 3 is released. We, we're doing a bunch of betas, but we're also just yeah. fixing so much stuff. Um, we added the second USB serial, so if you want to have like a non-REPL serial port, we've added that. We've added some bitmap tool. Thank you so much for the community for adding these contributions. Uh, I've done a lot of display I/O work. I've also seen a lot of stuff happen with label, presence port, bug fixes in ESP32 S2 and RP2040. Those are going through a lot of churn. Uh, we're even planning our next beta already because uh, we're just fixing so many bugs and adding so much stuff. So yeah. um, you know, keep thank you everybody for testing the latest builds. Um, we're getting so many more contributors, and uh, it's really awesome to see people coming in and saying, "Here's what I want CircuitPython to do." And giving us code to do it, or reviewing code, or bug fixing, or bug reporting. Um, it's a team effort. And uh, if you have an RP2040 in some form, like a Pico, or now a Feather, mm. um, the good news is you can get lots of updates. There's lots of enhancements, lots of fixes, and more. Um, I did see uh, a discussion on Twitter which is never really a good idea. I don't, but, I don't even know why you're but starting with that. Someone was saying, they were t trying to compare like CircuitPython and MicroPython, and the, the two have different goals. Yeah. But one of the things that someone said is like, oh, there's always a lot of activity going on in CircuitPython land because we're, we're doing a lot of updates and we're supporting a lot of yes. hardware. So I'll say this. And that's good. I'll say this. There's, there's always trade-offs. And the way that we're doing CircuitPython is you want the easiest and the latest and greatest hardware support for everything. So that's why um, MicroPython, for instance, one of the things that people do is they're make, if they're making hardware for it, they'll fork their version, they fork MicroPython, and that's like frozen in time for their thing, and yeah. then they're not doing any more updates on it. Where CircuitPython, we're trying to get as many boards as possible that support CircuitPython, that support all these libraries, that support all the hardware, and grow that ecosystem. So you get, and anytime you're putting CircuitPython on something that supports it, you're getting all the latest the latest and everything. look, I mean, it's, it's good. We're fixing a lot of bugs. I mean, people are saying, like, this doesn't work, that doesn't work. And we actually go and fix it. You know, we also added, like, MP3 support today, which is really cool. That's like, cool. that's, yeah, that's a PR. And so that will be part of the next beta release. Um, yeah. It's it's just, uh, you know, we, you know, Scott, who is the project lead, made the de decision really early. And I've sort of, you know, been been reluctantly, but now enthusiastically excited, you know, interested in, in his decision, which is um, make... It's, it's better to have lots of changes if it means a development cycle keeps going than to let the project stagnate because yeah. um, people are, and, and this is kind of true, there's contributors are attracted to projects that have contributors. You know, if if I go to, and look, it's true, if I go to a GitHub repo and I haven't seen any, you know, events occurring, any pull requests or issues closed in the last five years, I'm going to assume the project's dead, right? And so... If you see, like, wow, there's a lot of activity, people are, are contributing and responding um, and moving, I think that will attract people who, yeah. who want to have their contrib contributions merged in and developed on. And I also, think the CircuitPython team does that really well. The hardware that you have gets tons of, you know, free updates forever. If it supports CircuitPython, every time there's an update to CircuitPython, you get new features. Yeah. So And new hardware supported. So I just wanted to like, you know, because we have this section that we talk about Python on hardware. And it's a new beta release. This is really good news because if you like things like the Pico and the RP, any of the RP2040 stuff, any of the uh, feathers or, you know, Sparkfun has their version of a feather and it supports CircuitPython. Like every, there's so many things you get with, with this now um, that we think that we're going to keep 
doing this. Like the more new features and the more hardware supported, the better. And keeping that vibe of it's as easy as possible. And as the RP2040 launched, one of the things that we looked at is, so when people want to do something fast and easy and, and learn from, mm-hmm. what are they using? They're using CircuitPython. So uh, with that being said, the Feather RP2040 is out. This is one of the easiest, best ways to um, explore this new chip from Raspberry Pi and then also use CircuitPython. And then you get the full Feather ecosystem. Yes, so, and StemIQT plugin and 8 megabytes of yeah. flash. It's it's still, you know, this, I, I don't want to call it beta. I'm pretty sure the hardware is good to go. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in people, if, they, if you find any weirdnesses with it, uh, open up issues or let us know in the community yeah. um, because I'm, you know, this is our first board with this chip. And the first board of every chip is always kind of where we're like, oh, hey, look at that. We didn't realize, you know, X, Y, Z, and now we do. So yeah. I, I'm doing this board definitely helped me design the Itsy Bitsy and Cutie Pie. I had to do a revision of each because of things that I learned. And, and just to um, bring this back, so if you did a bunch of CircuitPython work on the, NF, uh, the Nordic NRF52840, that code, you know, besides the Bluetooth part, works on a RP2040. Yeah. So like this the is PWMIO the, is actually the same thing. So the code yeah. that does the audio over PWM is the same. I mean, we had to adapt it for the hardware, but you know, that was first introduced on the NRF52840 and now it's available on this chip too. So we have I haven't counted the number of chipsets, but it's probably six or Well, the STM F4, yeah. I mean, that's like hundreds of different chips, right? Because there's like a, a bunch of them. But, you mm-hmm. know, of families, I think we support a good like eight eight families of chips. Yeah. And then there's things like DSP32, S2, and ESP32. Yeah, that's a family. 32, uh, there's the S- C. Well, the C3 we're probably not going to support quite yet. The S3 will support. No. I think there's actually a PR for the S3. So, like, yeah, we're we're moving along. Um, CircuitPython was on Tom's hardware podcast. Uh, Scott was on it. He you blew their minds. Talked to Les, uh, who we just sent a um, feather over oh. in the UK, and uh, Scott also talked about maybe running CircuitPython directly on a Raspberry Pi one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Python three one zero zero eight six is available for testing. It's big news if you're into Python. Deep dive with Scott is this Friday. News around the web. You can check out some of the projects. This is so getting started with CircuitPython. The Pipico, Neopixel LEDs. Keyboards and bananas. Yeah. And, um, you know, the other, pie. The other thing. Pie. Um, a lot of folks are uh, exploring Moo because it's an easy way to mm-hmm. do things with CircuitPython and these boards. Um, more Cutie Pie projects. Braincraft Hat running Raspberry Pi Pico using a Pi to Zero adapter. Mm. An adapter for a Pi Pico on a Featherwing. Look at this cute keyboard. Yeah. This is a Raspberry Pi Pico and CircuitPython. This is a keyboard. Again, this is what we see happening. Um, if you want to do a keyboard and you have a Pico, the easiest way to do it right now and to build on top of an expanded that's open and you just get all the support is has been CircuitPython. So we're happy to see um, uh, that getting out there. Um, here's a light sensor. This is um, using MicroPython. This is a Featherwing little servo. Oh, that's the Dynamixel. Yeah. And then Scott is also, Scott's been doing the rounds. Um, Simple Electronics Podcast, number 14. And then uh, this is oh, the... Oh, it's Lars. Yeah, this is a little round display. The tab I just showed on the show and tell. Yeah. Oh, and here's another Pico with a display. Look, that's going to work great with CircuitPython because we have great display yeah. support. So as you can tell, there's a theme. If you really like keyboards and you really like displays, Pico, and you really we like have displays, really good native display support for CircuitPython. Believe me, it's like, it's it's not going to be, a, you know, as 
low level, but um, the high level stuff is amazing. I mean, you can have objects in front of other objects, and we do clipping yeah. and 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 bitmaps and um, you know beautiful fonts, all this stuff, which is uh, a lot harder than you'd think, actually, getting good font support. But it's all in there. Yeah. And we've been working on it for years. So you'll continue to see a bunch of um, projects and more. Um, there's a neat Python comic oh, that, yeah, they're making uh, that's in there. Python. You can see all of our guides, all of our libraries. We are up to 303. And we still have a couple more events uh, that are coming up. We're a sponsor of the Open Hardware Summit. Oh, we, coming up. we just sent um, cutie pies. So if you're, if you're part of the Open Hardware Summit this year, the swag bag will have a cutie pie. Cool. PyCon's coming up and more. So that is our Python and hardware news this week. Lots of stuff going on. Nice. Okay, we're an open source hardware company. To prove it, uh, we publish we have some guides. our source code, our schematics, our files, and we have guides and videos for each thing. We have 2,433 lady data. What's on the big board this week? I'm glad you asked. Starting from the top left, uh, the AMG8833 thermal camera. Um, it got, uh, the guide isn't new. The guide was updated because we QTified the uh, AMG8833. It's now plug and play compatible. I'm sure people love that. You can make thermal cameras even easier now. Uh, we got that guide from JP that everyone's loving, the retro reflective green screen light ring with a cutie pie and circuit python. Um, Noah and Pedro made a mega guide with Liz. It's a uh, Raspberry Pi Pico powered um, LED arcade button MIDI controller. Uh, sometimes these are called MIDI fighters. There's like a, a product called the MIDI fighter, and this is kind of our take on it. It's it's different because it has like an OLED and you know a switch and a Pico, and it's open source and it's Circuit Python. But if you want to make like a cool like drum machine sequencer, these are arcade buttons that light up. Um, this uh, Raspberry Pi Pico powered uh, build it it's a it's a big build but it's not they did a really good job documenting it I think people could do it you know if it, it's not maybe their first project maybe their third project you could build one of these um, Tim C filmy guy did an awesome guide about updates to the display text library in circuit Python um, again you know displaying text beautifully uh, you know I know Steve Jobs had something to say about that but uh, we did a, a lot of work to add native font support and um, graphic support and you know all sorts of ways of displaying text beautifully uh, we've also done a lot of optimizations to make it faster than ever so if you're if you're like oh i used it a couple of years ago and the bdf fonts load really slow try it again we we've really sped it up you know 80 80 90 percent um, reduction um, by using pcf fonts and uh, some some low level helpers um also got that guide for the feather rp2040 that came out we got a quick start guide using um, the Pico with Airlift. Um, this is by request. A lot of people we saw on Discord were having problems or were curious about how could they add Wi-Fi to the Raspberry Pi Pico and were like, oh yeah, you can do that with Airlift. And they're like, I don't even know where to start. So we have a quick start guide. It just gets you going with like the wiring for the Pico. Uh, so you get like the SPI pins going right. And then how to you know make your secrets file for your Wi-Fi password and, and usernames and all that and connecting to Adafruit.io. So it's, it's quick and dirty, um, but if you want to add Wi-Fi to a Pico, it will definitely get you going. And then of course, uh, last week's project, we had to get started with Raspberry Pi, getting started with Raspberry, Raspberry Pi Pico guide update from Catney. I think we added a uh, internal temperature sensor page and Aaron did a, a shadow box project last week. Okay, um, let's do some main New York City factory footage. 
So these are the, the Feather RP twenty forties. RP twenty forties. We made more this week. So people are like, wait, that looks like from last week. That's because we made yeah. more. And here they are coming out of the machine. So our first one we learned a lot and then uh second one we've been uh tweaking our capabilities to improve the yield because it's a it's a very fine pitch chip. Yeah. And then this was just a still. That's the 3D um, printer, the but it's kind of cool. Oh, it's like the HDR That's looking right. thing. Nice. Here's us making some soil we sensors. We made a ton of soil sensors. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Popping off. This is the board loader. It loads the boards into the machines. That's all it does. Here's more. Here they come. Out of the oven. And here they come out of the oven in 100% in speed. This is not sped up. This is actually how long it takes. What is... Uh, What's what? What is uh, the C15960 on the, the side of the panel? Oh, uh, that's the CID. That's the component ID. Yeah. So we label them so probably the first panel so we know what it is because all the feathers look really similar. <laughs> so we want to know which board it is. Yeah, one thing um, while we're going over these things is uh, we built our own inventory system. Um, we had yeah. to. And so when you see there's product IDs and then there's component IDs, CID, PIDs. And then if you look in your products, you'll see the work order ID. So the W number, that's the yeah. work order. So we can keep track. If there's something that goes amiss, we can we can track down every product from that work order. All right, and it uh, wouldn't be New York City factory footage unless it was... Uh, it's a rebar party. It was footage... Uh, from outside our window, this is the Disney building going up across the street. Um, kind of cool. Mm -hmm. A sunset that you can see that happened like right near the machines. Behind the momentum. And shadows. Nice sunset. That's a nice sunset. In New York. Ooh, that's nice. And that's factory footage. All right. Uh, 3D printing with no pager. They're back with the video next week, but we have a speed up every week, so we're going to play this one. to make all this stuff and more on 3D Hangouts with Don Pedro. Everyone's there. All right, it's time. DigiKey and Adafruit present. Hi, on MPI. This week's I on MPI is from Ideal Tech. Lidiata, what is the NPI, new product introduction from Ideal Tech? Brought to you by DigiKey this week. 
Okay, so you you heard me talk about Ideal Tech. Um, we've done tools by them before. They, um, they I think the wire strippers we did a couple months ago, and um, I saw this pop up, and I, I really like those wire strippers. So uh, they released an update to their PCB like rework stations. Um, so uh, this is what it looks like, um, and I've got one here, and I'll, I'll demo it live as well. So these are uh, PCB rework holders, um, and they're, they've got a lot of little details, right? So like, chances are you probably have a PCB vice or something, and they're, they're low cost and they're small. But if you're actually going into like doing production work and you have to do a lot of soldering, um, there's a lot of little details here that can save you a lot of time. Um, so start off, um, these holders are available in three sizes, uh, which I will uh, colloquially call um, kind of large, big, and huge. So I got the smallest one, and it is still quite large. Um, they, they have multiple railings. They're, they're not designed for a single PCB. You're supposed to, or expected to, I think, put you know a, a panel of PCBs, or you put in 10 to 20 at a time because you're soldering or reworking a bunch of the same board all at once. Um, and so that's why they're so large. But uh, the largest also gives them a certain uh, strength, like they're um, easier to uh, work with because they're kind of heavy. Um, and that heaviness makes them stable. So just be aware that there's three in this series is the PCSA uh, holder series. Um, so what's interesting about this is that there's a lot of like hinges and I'll demo this live. It's, it's kind of even the data sheet, even though it's good, it's hard to really see um, what's going on. But there's basically these removable parts and these hinges so you can move the work into a couple different positions. Um, it can be like upright completely, 80 degree angle, like, like 70 degree angle, and then uh, like a 30 degree angle and each angle has its own and like completely flat and each angle has its own like like rework speciality um so if you're like inserting connectors you might want to move it into one orientation insert all the connectors and flip it into another one um it's really well made um i really like the quality it's got uh steel that's painted it's got some aluminum um it's got some precision fit plastic um the th one of the things i really like about it is like there's a certain kind of detail to the precision of the parts that you can tell. Like when you're moving the railings, um, you know, they have these really nice thumb screws that just are very easy to loosen and very easy to tighten. Uh, same with like the hand screws, like nothing is hard to use. It's all like you can use even if you're wearing gloves or if you're like, you know, um, trying to do like three things at once. Um, and also when you're adjusting the railings, they don't get so loose that they are hard to position. Like they, you can loosen them just enough that you put them where you want they're a little bit stiff, so they, they don't move around, and then you tighten them to, to really fit them into place completely. So let's go to the overhead, because I want to show off um, the the thing, because it's, it's, it's big enough, and it's kind of complicated enough. So um, first off, um, so this, let me actually turn this around. This is how you normally mount it. Give myself a little bit more space here um, so these are the railings and um, you loosen them with these thumb screws and then these railings move up and down and so you know you can get extra railings if you want to include um, more hardware but like let's say I have this uh, you know panel of PCBs uh, in here is a groove so you can um, slot this into the groove here and into the groove there and then you know this has a little bit of play um, but then you put, you tighten the screws to, uh, to fix it in place. And then like, you know, this is now not moving, which is really good. Um, there's also this like hinge system. So, you know, you're not going to be able to see it as well, but basically I can position 
this in a couple different ways for easy rework. And then the thing that is really cool, so I'll show you what I really like about this. This is, my, I think, my favorite part. So this whole thing flips over. And then you're like, what is this like Swiss? What's going on with the Swiss thing? So this is the foam overlay holder. And this is what holds through whole parts together. And what's neat is that there's like this, there's this button here. And when you press this button, this just snaps right open. So you don't have to even unscrew it. So this, this foam piece comes out. This is anti-static foam. You can get replacement foam. And this is like, it's hard to explain, but it's just, it's firm but soft. Right? It's, like a, it's, like a, it's like a mattress, you know? It's got a little bit of softness at the top, but then it's got this firm foam in between to give it, uh, you know, uh, strength. So what you want to do is, hold on. So let's say you're like, okay, I have to do a bunch of through-hole soldering. So I'm just going to, you know, mimic it. I'm going to do one piece. But let's say I have to, you know, I'm making these cyber decks. Each one of them has a... Uh, header piece and the, the header has to be soldered in you know here I would fill in all parts of the um, the panel of course I put six in and then here's a common thing you've you know if you've soldered through whole parts how do you turn it over to solder without the parts falling over so sometimes you hold it with your finger and then your finger gets burned or you use like a piece of tape but then you have to like deal with this tape the tape comes loose the thing comes askew and now you gotta rework it so that's where the foam comes in so the cool thing about the foam is once you've placed all of your through-hole components, and then, you know, of course, this could have USB and Ethernet and whatever headers you want. And then um, this foam piece slots in, so this, this little hooks into, this part hooks into place. And then that button, you remember, I pushed that button, I push it again. And now the foam is down, and then I can just lift this, rotate it around, and then re-slot it in place. I'm going to give you a close-up of this. And now I can um, work on the board, and the foam is holding the um, through-hole pieces in place. And because the foam is just soft enough, it's not yeah. shaking around. I'm going to just show. So because we did it, it made sense to show it on the top view so you can see things. But yeah. here's a side view. of. Oh, yeah. So I'll show. I'll sh if you can hold it carefully. Yeah. I'll show this rotates around. Oops. Do you want me to hold on to that? Or do you uh, want me to... No, like this. Yeah. Thank you, kind assistant. And yeah. then this hooks into place, and then I push this button to release the foam holder. Yeah. And then this hooks out, and then you see that the through-hole piece is perfectly, it's kept perfectly pressured in place, so you don't have that annoyance of like, even with USB connectors, you know, they snap in, but then they get a little bit loose, or like if you try to touch, you know, one corner at a time, it, it doesn't. It, it can be a little uneven. Yeah. This way, you get like perfect even pressure across all of your through-hole components. So this is excellent, excellent, excellent if you're doing a lot of through-hole soldering, because it, you, you can you place all the parts, you snap the foam over, you flip it over, right? And it's like it's very fast. There's no there's no work that you have to do with it, and then yeah. you um, can solder in all of your through-hole parts all at the same time, uh, very very easily. So this is what it's really good for. It's also good for rework. But like the foam thing makes it like like mwah, perfect chef kiss for through hole components. Yeah, and it's available on DigiKey site. That's right. So they have uh, three different sizes, like I said. So the three sizes, they're basically the same price. Um, there's only like maybe twenty bucks difference between them. So you know, get the one that's the right size for your boards and your panels. Not like you don't have to worry about like oh, I'm gonna get a smaller one because it's cheaper. 
they're basically the same price so just get the one that's the right size for you so you know i got the small one and you can you can see how how big it is it, it is it is quite large but you know by the time you insert a, a panel in it you know and yeah it's not as big as you think i'd say it's about the size of the uh, classic dell laptops from the late uh, 90s it's totally got that yeah the, it's the pizza box laptop size it is actually by the way personal pan pizza it's yeah. like a personal pizza size yeah that's what it is but so there not, you go it's not too big not too small and i really like all the thumb screws by the way like good thumb screws like yeah. they add a little bit more to the cost but boy is it worth it so this is really really nice i'm going to hand this over to the um yeah do you Adafruit. think it'll um maintain pressure on parts if they're uh if they're different heights yes that's why the foam is so good. The foam is just soft enough that it conforms over. So I'm not worried about. Even when different heights, it'll yeah, stick I think it'll be fine. I mean, look, if it's if it's a short piece right next to a big piece, maybe not. But like for something, say like a Raspberry Pi, where you've got Ethernet and USB, and then you've got a header. I think it would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and uh, short URLs there, and also the product ID that you can look it up on DigiKey site two fourteen PCA SA one. N and D. And the short URL, D URL is digikey.com forward slash short forward slash B5 N T P 2 J D. And uh, this video is their um, tutorial video from their website. I have the sound turned off. Yeah. Because it has a bunch of music and that's problematic uh, that's on okay. YouTube. So um, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but they have some pretty good videos and resources on how to assemble it and how to use it. Yeah, and all the stuff that I just showed, if you want to see it, but um, done in a, on a large table um, by someone with really uh, nice manicure, uh, check out this video. It's on the Ideal Tech page. It's also on the DigiKey um, page. So if you go to the DigiKey site, you can see the, um, yeah. the this video and, and watch it in all its glory. All right. And with that is Hang MPI. Okay. Uh, right, I gotta put this away so I can do new products. Yeah, put that away. Okay, put this away. And then we'll uh, go into new products. Okay, put it into storage mode. Okay. Yeah. All right, thank you, PCS PCSA, my deal deck. Okay. All right. Thanks, ready everybody. Ready to kick it off? Yeah, let's do this thing. All right, Okay, first up. Okay. This is such a weird thing, but I just thought it was really useful for maybe some weird purposes. So this is like, you know, you have a KVM and it's like a smart switch that lets you like share one keyboard and mouse and monitor with two computers. Well, imagine if you had that, but it was only a USB port and it was totally mechanical. So this is, it's, it's a weird thing, right? It's got, um, yeah, so here's a good, a good image. So it's got two USB-A plugs and they can go into, no, uh, yeah, just stick it. Uh, they got two USB-A plugs, and um, each one can plug into a computer, and then you can plug in one peripheral device into that socket, and then the switch, I know it says like on-off, it's like one zero, but what it really is, it switches between the two. What is this used for? So for me, I actually was using this for testers, so I would like have a board plugged into a Raspberry Pi, and then I wanted to like plug it into my computer, and I'd be kind of like plugging it back and forth. Um, with this, I just used the switch. Now, one thing I'll say is this is, it's a, it's a little bit of a hacky way of doing it so power is connected through to both boards so just that that's not usually not a problem usb ports don't usually mind having some back power um the switch is only 
uh, for the two data lines. So it's it's a you know dual pole, double throw, whatever switch. So it's it's only the um, it's only the two data lines that are swapped over. That said, um, you know it does work. Um, it, it's it's funky, it's weird, but I think you know and it's it's not. I wouldn't put it into like a finished product, but for R and D or for some situation where you're like, look, I really just want to connect one Arduino between two computers or something, um, real fast. You know, I, I'd feel okay saying like, hey, this is a good little development tool for that. So, I don't know what I call it, like a micro KVM, a, a USB switcher, something like that. Okay. Next up. Okay, next up, so while, while this is setting up, I'm going to plug in this. This is the, um, the, oh, my goodness, I actually don't remember the name of it. It's this Raspberry Pi case, um, and it's the, it's the pro model of the Pi case, um, and it's designed for the Raspberry Pi 4, although I think you can fit other Raspberry Pis in it, and an official Raspberry Pi 7-inch um, monitor. So the monitor you see here, it doesn't come with it. If you have a Raspberry Pi, you see the Raspberry Pi 4 plugged in on the left there. The 7-inch monitor, um, you connect them together, put them into the case, and um, you basically have your own, like, all-in-one Raspberry Pi enclosure um, with a touchscreen, and it's, like, really beautiful, nice display and case with a camera in the front. So you can have, even have it, like, you can make your own little, like, a um, camera, web app, web camera type like interface thing um, where you have like video, you know, transmitting over the camera, over the display, going back and forth. So that's kind of the upgrade is it has the, the camera slot and um, the USB port comes out for power, but the SD card is not, is not exposed so people can't rip it out. So this would be like a little micro kiosk maybe. Um, so let's go to the overhead and I'll show it off. So this is kind of nice. So um, you've got here the the touch screen, so it's I'm focus that in a little bit. Yeah. It's so so bright, so it's a little confused. Yeah. But um, you've got the seven inch monitor here, and it's a touch screen. Like you can see, I, I can touch and select stuff. Um, USB and Ethernet for the um, Raspberry Pi four are on the back. Um, this is a really nice um, metal bottomed, so it's a little bit heavy. Uh, hinge, so you can hinge this and it's adjustable and then you, you screw it in place. Um, another nice uh, extra, it comes with a fan you can use to cool down uh, the insides and there's like lots of little mounting holes on the back uh, with venting. This is where the USB comes out, so there's a little USB, if you, if you, you know, we go back to the contents, you'll see there's a little USB adapter thingy so that the USB comes out nicely on the side and inside it gets routed into the power port. Um, but basically, you know, the, it's the it's the camera slot that makes this kind of special. So you can mount a Raspberry Pi camera here, and then you know use it as like a like I said, like a kiosk with a webcam for like AV interfacing or like a a mini video station type project. So um, yeah, if you go here, so you can see it comes with the hardware and the cables uh, to route internally all the camera, and then there's hardware as well for um, mounting all the pieces. Uh, together. So you do have to put it together. Uh, it doesn't come with a Raspberry Pi 4 or the display, so you just have to uh, make sure you grab one of those. But it does come with the fan. Okay, next up. Um, next up, we've updated our 2.13-inch uh, tricolor e-ink displays. Um, it's very similar to the previous e-ink displays. You can see here, it shows stuff even when it's not powered. It's got an SD card slot built-in RAM, um, so you can use it with everything from Arduino Uno up to like a Raspberry Pi. 
Uh, we've got Yink libraries for Python, CircuitPython, and Arduino. Um, what's nice about this is we've updated it to be higher resolution. It's now 250 by 122 uh, tricolor pixels. So I, you know, I don't remember the previous resolution. I think it was like 200 by 100 or something. So you get a little bit of a boost in resolution. So you get more pixels. Uh, with that, the chipset has changed slightly. It's now the SSD 1680. So um, it is a new product ID because you can't reuse the exact same code as before. Um, you do need to uh, recompile the code um, for the new SSD 1680 chipset. This is unfortunately a thing about e-ink displays is that the chipsets keep changing. Um, for the user, it doesn't matter, but just the, for the developer, they will have to recompile it. All right. Next up, I think might be... One, besides that little tiny keyboard that we showed during the Python on Hardware section, this might be either the cutest or second cutest thing we showed tonight. This is so cute. Um, this is a miniature hot plate. It's a miniature hot plate. And, it is, it's way smaller than you think. And before, yeah, I was going to say, so yeah, you can look at these photos and just be like, well, well is, how it, big is it, is it the size of a refrigerator? Is it like a power supply? Or is it like... It's yeah. really small. So what board is that that you have? So this is like a sort of a generic. Okay, uh, so it's like a little stem size board. Stem IKT board. Okay, so, so look this how, is look it. This tiny. It's very, 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 very small. And um, here I'll, I'll, I'll Are you going to actually it. do it? Yeah, I'll just plug it in real fast. Okay, so you know what we can do is we can try to angle this a little bit here. Yeah. So we can see. Well, yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd quickly show it. So there, there's some buttons on the back. So I'll just show the user interface. There's A and B buttons so that, that you can... You can check the manual, which I yeah. totally haven't read yet. If you want to make a cutie pie factory, yeah, this is how you. Do it's it. basically if your boards are about one inch by one inch, uh, this is perfect for you. So mm. it's booting up. It's got a little OLED display. This is by Minware. They make a lot of um, really high end tools. They have like smart tweezers and um, uh, they have the uh, yeah the smart tweezers we just put in. They have the smart soldering iron. No, is it having? doing the thing maybe my power supply isn't good enough Hold on. let's try again it was just working okay there you go i think i just wasn't uh it wasn't plugging in all the way there. okay so don't forget to plug in the usb all the way uh so there's settings and then there's heat up uh so if i select heat up uh it'll heat one of the things i thought was so adorable about this is this little led um it's a kind of a like indicator of what the temperature is so as this heats up and you see it's like 35 36 degrees um yeah, once you start using electronics on it, don't start melting s'mores on it, by the way. But yeah. um, if you're just going to make a s'more melter, yeah. Just s'more. Just s'mores. Don't, don't, inter don't mix it with electronics. So as this is heating up, it's getting to like 60 degrees C, and you see it's turning yellow. So the um, the LED does warn you how hot it is. So this, you know, white, okay, like definitely dangerous. Uh, and then I think it gets to red when it's, when it's really hot. So... Yeah. Um, it works. It will reflow boards. Uh, yeah, you we know, did it live on Descalade Ada. We did it live on Descalade Ada. Um, you know, it's it's for very small boards. But if you are making these small development kits, you're making like Tomus or whatever, or like, uh, you know, Nanos, um, this this will do the job. And it heats up pretty fast. In about two minutes, uh, you'll get up to 240. It can do uh, leaded and lead free. No problem. Yeah, someone said, oh, you just buy a bunch of these, put a sticker on it, start a Kickstarter. And it's your own like personal s'more device. Yes. Yeah. For s'more. That's the second product that you're gonna see later on that you saw first on a uh, electronics show. The, yeah. The screen. 
the reflective screen and then the. Uh, okay, so I think what I'll do now that we've we've seen it, I'll. Yeah, I can actually see the little smoke going off. Yeah, there's a little bit of smoke. I want to be careful because I don't want to damage this. Uh, yeah, and now it's red. Now it's red, so you can see the red light. So let me. Uh, You're gonna zoom focus in. Focus in. Do you want to zoom into it and show that it's like starting well, to stuff? Well, I think I have to bring this out a little bit. Good. Bring it out. Put and then focus. Yeah, I'll focus. Whoop, what did you do? I didn't do anything. Okay. Oh, man, it's, it is, it might not. It's either like all or nothing today. Yeah, maybe. Uh... Okay. I don't know if it doesn't like, maybe the heat's confusing it. Okay, so there you go. So um, as it gets up to 240, I can sort of poke poke the parts with this maybe. Let me see. Oh, I think I have to tell it I want to go even higher. Yeah, you can tell that it's uh, hot right now. It's definitely hot, though. One thing I should have done is probably uh, read the manual. But it's at 220, which is lead solder, but this is lead-free. So I think I need it to... Okay, now it's going up to 220, 225, 230. So you're going to actually start seeing stuff really melting here. Let me see if I can zoom in on it now that we're, I want, yeah. that we're in okay zoom-in territory. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, you can see it. Look, 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 look. You can see it going around the resistor there. See it melting? Yeah. Yeah, look. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much this more I'm going. This is exciting. Yeah. So right, I, I do want to, I do want to, yeah. I can't zoom in more, but live reworking. Yeah. So you can remove parts. Yeah. Very carefully. So we're going to part off, and then while you're still doing, don't, uh, I was going to say, you could see, I was going to show that it's red the underneath. The red LED? Yeah, so you could see that's why you got to be hot. careful, this is so hot. Yeah, it's, it's this, like. It's 250, so I'm going to unplug it and uh, be very careful. So just be just be super careful, because this thing is, like, it, it, it gets hot. I mean, it's small, but um, it's powerful. Yeah. It will go up to, uh, you know, 250, 260 degrees C. Uh, that will toast you, so... Don't yeah. do what I did. Don't, don't flick off parts with your it's finger. It's a terrible idea I to even that. try to do live demos with this stuff. Um, just Live demos in general. This is why no one does live demos. Don't do that. Um, but we did it, and we showed it to you, so it worked but out. But you can do it. But um, basically, I've re I've reflowed like little boards on it. Yeah. All right. Next up. Okay. Uh, next up, this is the revision. This is the AMG 8833. So um, we've had this thermal camera for a while. Uh, now the thermal camera just has a STEMIQT connector. So uh, you can plug and play it with any of our... Uh, STEMIQT um, uh, interface boards, including the Cyberdex we're about to show. Or, you know, if you've got um, a clue board, you can plug it in and then have, like, make a little, a little thermal camera. And what's nice is that um, for a while it was actually tough to get thermal cameras, but uh, it's starting to become a lot mm. easier to pick them up now. So if you've been wondering, like, hey, how come I can't get thermal cameras? Uh, during COVID, it was, like, impossible to get I, them. Yeah. And I now think, they're starting to come back So again. we still do temperature screening every single day. Like, I know everyone's temperature at Adafruit. We, we have our teams work on that to make sure every day when folks come in, they don't have a fever. I do think that, um, you know, years from now or months from now, as people kind of look back at this pandemic, um, you know, the fever thing really didn't become a, a way to – determine if someone had it because it was asymptomatic and i think one of the things um that would have been better would have been a portable smell test uh believe it or not where um when you walked into a building 
there was uh, a, a few different scents. Like somebody with like a rotten milk and they're like, smell this? No, just a few different scents would be um, in the area. Like you would put your head just, you know, closest you do for a temperature sensor. But it would be like, what's the what's the smell? Because that seems to be, or, or at the time, especially during peak, a lot of people lost their smell. And that would, that would have been a way to say, okay, because temperature just didn't seem to be a thing. So that's why, long story short, we have more of these in sock. That's right. Maybe because everyone agreed with you now. Um, but yeah, so it's the same chip, the same schematic. Uh, it's actually even physically the same size. Uh, we did rearrange the pins a little bit to make them in our uh, STEM QT standard. And of course, they have the plug and play connectors yeah. on the end uh, to make easy thermal camera okay. projects. The stars of our show tonight, besides you, lady of the community, our customers, and our team here at Adafruit, are the Cyberdex. We had two of them. That's right. Although the Cyberdex bonnet was probably going to be in stock tomorrow. But if you're not watching this live, then it's probably in the store. Uh, so we've got two Cyberdeck bonnets. These are plug-in bores for the Raspberry Pi 400 uh, that have these really cool angled sensors. Uh, angled, angled headers. Um, and the angled headers mean that when you plug them into the Raspberry Pi 400, uh, you get the display coming out at a jaunty angle. Um, if it was flat, it would stick out. You wouldn't see it. If it was completely upright, it would be not easy to see it either. But it's at like 30 degrees, which we uh, scientifically determined was the best angle. Um, so there's two versions. There's the bonnet version, and uh, we're showing it here with our um, OLED bonnet. You don't have to use it with the display. You can use it with, like, literally anything that's, like, mini Pi Zero hat-shaped. Um, but we happen to think the OLED was a good demo. It's got this beautiful silk screen by Phil B, shown here. And then... Um, you want to go back on? Yeah, um, because I'm talking about the Cyberdeck bonnet. Um, it, it has the mounting holes, so you could attach, you know, any, you know, again, uh, Pi Zero hat or fat, or mini hats, you know, whatever you want to call them. And then um, there's connectors on the sides. So you get two GST pH connectors, these are two millimeter pitch connectors. You get power ground and then either pin 18 on the left or pin 13 on the right. And then there's two Stemma QT connectors above those. So if you want to like plug and play that thermal camera, for example, or our sensors or OLED displays or whatever, you get two connectors for I squared C on the Cyberdeck. So that's the Cyberdeck bonnet, right? So that's for the smaller boards. And then we have the Cyberdeck hat. Same thing, you get those connectors on it, JST-SH and JST-PH for connecting I2C or other boards. Um, and then um, you've got uh, you know that 30 degree angled header. So it plugs in nicely into the Raspberry Pi. Um, and then here it is, for example, with a Sense hat. So yeah. you know if it's a hat shaped thing, it plugs in quite nicely. Um, and again, it shows it at an angle. So if you want to use a sense hat with a Raspberry Pi 400, uh, which you know it has sensors and a display, and you don't want to have it like dangling off a cable, you plug this in, and then it kind of holds it up at a nice angle. So I've got a demo with it on my Pi 400. Um, so this is uh, the Pi 400 with the Cyberdeck bonnet plugged in right to the bottom here, and then. Um, you, yeah, if you want to see the angle. Yeah, the angle's kind of tough to show, yeah. but you can see it's. Yeah, you can tell. Kind of coming up, so you see like the it's a it's actually an original Pi One hat, um, and then it's you can see the text very nicely while you're typing on it. So this is kind of my example of like okay, I want to, uh, you know, hack a system by pinging it. I can do that. Um, I even did a, a thing where I wanted to let's see if can links to Adafruit. I was like, okay, well, you, know, you can always put a graphic interface on it, but I thought it would be kind of fun uh, to show it with um, with text. 
Oh, too much. Back off. Okay. So you can even search for a cyber duck. So you can browse the internet. Maybe find the text version of this product. Hold on. I'm just having fun with the links. Okay, here you go. So I can now go to the, the product page for the product on the product in text. That's right. Um, I'm going to zoom out. So let me control X. Quit. Hold on. Yeah, I want to quit. I still remember how to use links after like 20 years. And then uh, you can do, uh, you can also show, you know, animations and graphics. I got like a wallpaper to show just some, some you know, you can have it display stuff, GIFs, whatever. All of our examples already work because all it's doing is adapting the Raspberry Pi 400 to hold our existing hats and boards. Normally it's plug on top of a Raspberry Pi 4, but now you get it at this, again, nice jaunty angles. Maybe you want to go to the... Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe we can see, yeah. I think this is the best way to show it. So, yeah, you see it's like... Yeah, it's there's not... other products out there, not from us, that, that go up and down. We wanted to make sure when we launched this, it had a really good angle. So this is yeah, very, it's, it's super readable. It's really cool. It is super cyberdecky. Cyberdecky. So yeah. make your cyberdecks, or or just connect things to your Pi Four Hundred. Um, I think this is great. You know, we I, you know we tried a couple different angles. It does have a little bit of, of adjustability. You can like move it up and down by about five degrees, um, but it's very solid. And then of yeah. course you can use the accessory ports to uh, plug in other hardware. But I think like if you want to just make like a cool add-on for your, you know, it doesn't have to be a display. I personally like displays, but it can be almost anything. Yeah. Um, you get the bonnet and the hat, two versions. And, uh, yeah, it'll just work with anything because all it does is bring all the pins out and up. Like, it's all it does is a mechanical adapter. Yeah, if you're using a Pi 400, I think this is a good secondary display for, like, sensors. Um, you could do a lot of neat work on the screen and then look over at your little mini screen and see what the microcontroller stuff that you want to do. Yeah, I think this makes... Doing. This is so much fun. I mean, you can have HDMI and OLEDs or, like I said, the Sense Hat, right? This is a common... Yeah add-on for the Raspberry Pi, but how would you use it with the 400? I think this makes perfect sense because you can still use the buttons yeah. and the sensors. Yeah, visualizer. There's all sorts of things you can do. Yeah. And with that, it is new products. Okay, we're going to roll right into... Um, you can put your questions up in Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord, and uh, join all 27,000 over there. But while we're uh, loading up some questions, we're going to do some top secret. Okay. Oh, yeah, shoot. Hold on. Okay, so top secret this week, Lady Ada, what do you have? Okay, well, okay, so I've got, I still have the Pi 400 here. So I made this, um, hold on, let me get the Pi 400 out of the way. And then this is not plugged in. That's why it's not working. Hold on. It's super top hold secret. Hold on, so top secret, I forgot that I have to plug something in. It doesn't work without power, it turns out. Okay, so I'm thinking of doing some, like, a home automation board. I wanted to make a board that would work with, um... Oh, don't tell me this isn't working either. No, oh, it wasn't on. Okay, Let's you can do it. Back there it up go. so we can see that it's okay. across. So after being able to turn stuff on, it's got this little debugging cable here. Uh, so this is a, um, I wanted to make a board that's for like home automation that could work with um, Home Assistant or Raspberry Pi or on its own uh, to do like home automation projects. And we've done like IoT projects, but I want something that specifically was for interfacing with Home Assistant or like hue lights or like people who want to automate stuff around their house. Because I think a lot of people have been indoors a lot for the last couple of months and maybe they have projects that they're like, 
you know, I want to be notified when my dishwasher is done or when my cat comes in, you know, through the cat door or something. Um, so I made this little board and it's house shaped and we're going to design like a fun silk screen. This silk screen is like my stick figure quality. Um, it's got uh, our TFT screen here. It's got some buttons. Um, I'm playing around with capacitive touch for the first time. So this has a little capacitive touch slider and um, still working on the design, but I think, I think the slider's okay. I mean, you don't get huge resolution, but it's enough that you could like turn something, you know, up to eight levels. And then there's um, two little cap touch buttons here. And then there's a little cap touch button here. And there's a LED and there's like, you can see there's five dot stars. I'm just, I'm just having them flicker random colors. Um, there's some sensors. I put a doorbell here. So this is the reset button, um, but it's a doorbell. So I guess if you want to like ding dong, like wake up, board uh, you can hit that and then uh, there's a little buzzer and on off switch and some sensors and on the back um, I got my ESP 32s2 and a bunch of socket connectors for sensors and stomach QT there's actually not a lot going on in the back here because it's capacitive touch switches you don't really want to have anything behind them so that's why a lot of the PCB is bare and it has this hatched silk screen so um, you know what's cool is that we have ESP 32s2 it's native Wi-Fi support for um, CircuitPython. And I feel like with the MagTag, we really kind of nailed down getting Wi-Fi support for the S2. So I wanted to do some more um, products. I mean, I'm doing the feather boards. Those are coming out. But, you know, I've always wanted to have a home automation design. And um, here, here's a cool uh, trick that Phil B came up with after I designed it. He said, you know, it's basically the same size as a Raspberry Pi. So it actually is, even though it's like pointed up here, the envelope of it is the same size as a Raspberry Pi, and the mounting holes are the same, too. So you can even mount this on top of a Raspberry Pi to have this be your little accessory board um, cool. to work directly with it. Like, it could act like as a shield. It wouldn't plug in through the shield connector. It would plug in through USB, but it would still, like, it would be able to plug in through the, the connectors. So yeah. it's not out yet. Don't ask. Okay. That's top secret. Okay. I have a bunch of questions lined up, so we're going to speed around some, and we'll spend some time on those others. All right. Um, first up, this was earlier in another chat. Uh, yeah. How to design a charging power bank module PCB? Um, well, we've got um, a couple different chips in the shop and boards in the shop. I think you want like a PowerBoost 1000C. That's pretty much a charger bank controller. You just plug okay. in a battery and then you can charge, boost, control, all that stuff. All right. And this next one, um, someone gave a better answer, I think, than we could. Um, so I'm going to just do the question, then I can do the answer. Someone has zero experience in electronics, EE. They're currently in school as an adult in their 30s, trying to obtain an EE degree. They're about halfway there. They'll be almost 40 when they finish, should they quit. And someone said, I started programming at 40. Thanks, Adafruit. Uh, went through a web development program, and now I'm an embedded software QA test engineer, so you'll be fine. So I think that's the best thing is to hear from the community for other people, um, never too late to do anything. The thing is, things are moving so fast, by the way, that it's not like, yes, it's always good to have more, like, if you learn earlier, sure, that's great, but it's not like you have 40 years to catch up on. Like, you don't have to catch up on it because things are moving so quickly that the kind of embedded stuff that you that I learned in school, honestly, it's not that practical. Like, I learned MIPS assembly. I don't write any MIPS assembly it's okay. Like, I, I, I could have just skipped that part. I think there's a lot of, like, that teaches you problem solving. Yeah. And that's a good skill. Which you which you know as a 40-year-old anyways, because yeah. just to get to the age of 40, you have to, like, 
learned how to solve problems in your life. Right. Okay. So, so I thought it was a good answer. Thanks yeah. for that. Uh, how hard is it to create a product from scratch from an STM32 chip? What is the process like? It's not too bad. There's a lot of good um, dev and eval boards you can you can crib off of. You know, we have the STM32 F405 Feather. You can use that as open source. You can base your design off of it. Um, it's not too hard. A lot of STM32 chips are really similar. Um, but you'll have to probably use their IDE. Uh, one thing that is true about the STM32s is like, it's, it's kind of there's one way to program them and the IDE is the way to do it. Um, that said, it means all example code you're going to find is going to work because it's all meant for the same IDE. All right. Um, have we ever built an automatic cat or dog feeder? Yeah, we have a guide. Okay. Learned Dan who did it for his cat. That. It's a very cute cat. Can you use voice commands with a Raspberry Pi? You can. There, there are some voice command uh, tutorials. We okay. have one for Google Assistant. Like you can make your own Google Assistant. There is some voice recognition stuff. Um, I would just Google around for like you know voice recognition on Raspberry Pi and just follow those tutorials. All right. Next up, um, how do you check to verify flight controller design is good before moving to a PCB design? A flight. Well, I don't do flight controllers, so that I don't know. Yeah. But how would they verify it? I mean. I would, you know, do do prototypes, uh, you know, on a breadboard, and then maybe solder it onto a breadboard, yeah, and then perma proto it. Perma proto it, and then you can make your first PCB. But it's normal to have six, seven revisions of a PCB, so yeah. don't don't feel like it has to be right the first time. I, I I don't get it right the first time. Do you test a microcontroller dev board with different sensors, then combine the sensors, motors, etc. After everything works okay, then you go to PCB. Um, no, I, I do something a little bit different, which is normally when I have a new component, I'll make a breakout just for that component. Um, and then I will learn by doing that breakout how the chip is expected to be used, and then I would use it in a product. So, for example, um, you know, this, this board uses a 1.5-inch TFT. So when I first got this TFT, the, the first thing I did was make a breakout board for it just to, like, connect it to an existing feather, learn how the display wanted to be used, and then once I felt comfortable and I had a good footprint, now I can add it in any product and I don't have to think about it. Okay, about a year ago, you posted uh, a blog about someone who found a way to test UVC once to see if the output was truly UVC. Two-part question. Any other tips for looking at an LED to make sure it's legitimate UVC, not just normal LED, and any trusted suppliers you recommend, or do you plan on stocking some? So, um, I still think the best thing you, is to get the testing equipment for it. Or um, you can rent it, or there's, there's yeah. places you can send stuff and they'll test it for you, because the equipment is not cheap. It is a couple thousand dollars. Um, there's really no way unless you have the equipment. You need to have something that t that's a very specific in, frequency. And UVC um, LEDs, any plan to stock those? They're actually really hard to get right now because um, mm -hmm. they're still being used a lot, so we, we, we put that on hold. Yeah. Um, you know, looking back, though, there, that's another thing. Um, if you would have said, well, what are some of the technology things that you think are going to come out? Um, I think because a vaccine was just an idea, it was like, oh my God, what we're going to do it. There was a lot of like, well, let's get thermal cameras as door doorbells. Let's get, um, let's replace fluorescent lights with like UVC and just like try to sterilize everything. And you really don't see, um, that you don't see that as one of the major deploying strategies. Like let's UVC everything. Um, there's UVC sanitation, but you don't even hear about that as much now. What is the, the, the bakery place was supposed to have there was a bakery and they, in New like, York. they said they're like we're gonna have uvc lights yeah. and they never did i think it was i think you know march april of last year it was just like what are we gonna do about this how do we kill this thing in the air and i think everyone tried just about everything yeah. um and then you know the solutions that we ultimately have was like mass and distance and now there's a, a vaccine 
Um, but there wasn't really a technology solution to this yeah. in, in initially. Um, next up, uh, what screens were you using for the Cyberdeck hats? Uh, we got the OLED bonnet on the on the bonnet Cyberdeck and um, the three point five inch Pi TFT or the Pi TFT series. Um, that we, we have a couple different sizes of screens, and that's on the hat. Okay. Um, can Ethernet Featherwing be used with a Feather RP2040? Absolutely. Okay. The new Raspberry Pi case, can you switch off the display while keeping the Pi running? Um, well, the display automatically turns off after it's not used. You can set the, the delay time for screensaver mode, but the, the display does not turn off. I think you can change, I can think you can turn off the backlight um, through a command, so you could do something like that. Yeah, knowing what you know now, if you could do things differently in the past year for the business, what would you change? This is a tough question because if I knew anything about what was happening, um, you know, so many people uh, are dead and or suffering. So, you know, our business survived. So because we did all the things we did and we did everything right and we took care of our team and our community took care of us, um, that's a hard one because, like, if I had any type of go back in time, or like, if you knew well, something, I mean, I'd be yeah. like, you know, five or, over five hundred thousand people are dead, and um, I you I go would, to each one and tell them that. I mean, like, what would that even make a difference? So you know, there was a yeah, there was a limited time where we could have had a really big impact, and I say we as like a society and, and as a country to really mask up. In the very beginning, that could have slowed things down, and it, we wouldn't be in the, the situation that we're coming out of now. Um, but as far as the business goes, um, we, we made all the worked right decisions. around the clock. We did everything we possibly could to keep everyone employed and, and safe. Um, it was really tough, though. And um, I wouldn't do anything different, but I will say this. There's consequences, like physically and personally. Like, this has been a tough year. We're exhausted. And then, you know, we're starting to uh, rally to turn the page. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, like we had – all of our team helping us make all smart decisions. So it wouldn't do anything different. Um, but I will say, like, it it came at a huge cost for all of us. Yeah. It, this, this hurt. And it'll continue to hurt for a while. And so the best thing I would say is maybe not do anything differently going, because you can't go in the past. But going forward, um, there's a lot of things that we help our team with and talk about being proactive because um, there's a lot of, crises that are going to come up in people's lives and you can get ahead of some of them so i think um going forward one of the things is like hey like for our remote team members that are in like oregon have a have a go bag because there was fires last year well you told me that they, you know <laughs> like it doesn't matter well there's just but what you can do is just like y you can be proactive on some things that you don't have control over that'll just reduce the stress anyways that's what i'm yeah. uh next up uh, any plans to change the USB connector to Type C on Circuit Playground Express? Um, Lots of folks are using it. Not because you know there are so many already. I don't want to mess with people, and folks, a lot of folks still do have a lot of micro USB cables. Uh, is Adabox opening up anytime soon? You sign can up. sign up because we're full, but there will be openings as we start to ship. Yeah. Um, on Dust of Lady Ada, you showed a piezo strip from uh, Form. And form kind of thingy it was quite interesting. Is there a part number or place to look for that? Uh, we'll, we'll stock it. I think we have them on order. Okay. Uh, what would you do now or plan for in near future to be ready in case another epidemic situation? So. Well, I don't understand. Why are we like suddenly responsible for like this entire country's <laughs> epidemic response? Because we'd probably do a better job. 
I don't know. I mean, I think we, we put people first and we care more. And I think everyone's trying to figure out, like, how do I make sure this doesn't happen again? Right. Maybe they're uh, just asking for your advice. So here, here's, a, here's a way to look at it. So every time a disaster happens, one of the things they tell our team is, hey, in Texas right now, there is a, you know, well, this was a couple weeks ago. There is a, there is a power outage. It is frozen. Mm. This is not good. Look at the stories that are coming out and think about if that happened to you where you're at, how would you deal with it? Do you have a go bag? Do you have a place that you can go to? Have you, um, do you have all the contacts that you need to uh, get a hold of? Do you have um, an alt- alternate form of heat? Yeah. You know, where you live in diff- a different part of the country. So don't let, anytime there's a crisis, don't let those goes, go to waste. So that's how I'd say prepare. Yeah. Every time something happens, don't think, boy, I'm really lucky it's not happening to me. I think it's more like, how, how can I use that that's going on over there, that pain and suffering for good here to help people to avoid that going, going okay. forward? Let's let, 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 let get all the questions. Let yeah, I think we got all of them. Yeah. Oh, well, someone gave us 10 bucks on uh, YouTube. Sweet. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, I think we got to all of them. All right, someone had a, they saw the show and tell. They were a little down. Now they're happy. Yay, that's good. that's good. All right. Um, yeah, I guess I'll say one last thing. <laughs> uh, kudos and shout out to Naomi Wu, who was on the ground in China, and we were asking her directly, what's going on? What are they doing in China? And we listened to what yeah, she was saying. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> we're like, it okay. Was really, it was cyberpunk. Good to know. Um, so that was actually really, really uh, helpful. Okay, right. so that's our show for tonight. Thanks, Thank you, everybody. everybody. Thank you, um, Takara, who is over in the Adafruit Slack chat helping out folks. Thank, Thank you, you, everyone, to uh, uh, that's helping out in the community here. Um, and special thanks to the folks in the different chats. We'll see everybody next week on Ask an Engineer. And uh, I think I, I think I got everything. I think thanks, I got everybody. Questions. All right. Bye, everybody. Here's your moment of Zener. <laughs>